0: ReachMD XM157 now presents this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health.
1: How do the Atkins, South Beach, and Ornish diets affect cardiovascular health? You are listening to ReachMD, XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and with me is Dr. Michael Miller. Dr. Miller is the Director of Preventive Cardiology at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Miller, welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable.
0: Thank you very much, Susan. Pleasure to be here.
1: Describe the three diets you studied.
0: Well, Susan, these are popular diets that our clinicians are likely quite familiar with based on some of the patients they see. The diets included the high-fat, low-carb Atkins diet, so one extreme of the high-fat, high-protein diet, a moderate diet, the South Beach diet, which is moderate in fat, about 30% fat versus about 60 to 70% fat in the South Beach, and then at the lower extreme, the Ornish diet, which is a very low fat, about 10% fat, and a high-carb diet.
1: Was there a particular clinical profile for the participants in your study?
0: Well, the clinical profile was that they were predominantly healthy men and women who were medical house officers, so we wanted to start off and examine healthy individuals before perhaps looking at clinically obese individuals. So this was a healthy cohort.
1: What methods were used?
0: Well, the methods included traditional dietary methods where we had our patients randomized for a four-week period on each of the diets. So each participant enrolled in all three diets at randomly different times. So they all had a one-month diet followed by a one-month washout phase and then going on a, a second diet followed by the washout phase, followed by the third diet. Now, in addition, at the end of the dietary phase, we collected 72-hour uh, food records that were analyzed by our dietitians. We also wanted to maintain weight so that they could proceed smoothly from one dietary phase to the next and really to evaluate dietary macronutrient composition and how that fared between these specific diets. And so blood was collected after each dietary phase. We monitored weight throughout the study. Food records were collected, and we performed studies to evaluate the endothelium. So there were several components in order to uh, highlight various areas that we thought may represent important parameters to evaluate vascular health.
1: What were the results?
0: Well, the results indicated that the Atkins diet was associated with increases in LDL or the bad cholesterol, by about upwards of approximately 7%, whereas both the South Beach diet and the Ornish diet were both associated with reductions in LDL cholesterol. Now the Ornish diet was associated with higher triglycerides and lower levels of the good cholesterol. This is traditional with the high carbohydrate diet. So the fact that we saw these results provided some reassurance that the results were on par with what we expected. When well, we then looked at the results of the endothelium, we found that compared to the low-fat, high-carb Ornish diet, though during the Atkins phase, the participants demonstrated reduced endothelial vasoreactivity. This is a traditional measure where we put a blood pressure cuff on the upper arm and then look at how the endothelium responds One minute after we released the blood pressure cuff, and we found that there was a reduction in the Atkins diet compared to the Ornish diet. South Beach was fairly neutral, no significant difference. But that suggests that there may be some endothelial dysfunction on the Atkins phase compared to the Ornish phase. And then we also looked at biomarkers of inflammation and found that the Atkins diet fared the worst. That was increased expression. In several inflammatory biomarkers, so there appeared to be some differences between these dietary phases.
1: Did any of the findings surprise you?
0: Well, I think perhaps the most surprising finding was the differential effect between these three diets in the absence of weight loss. Remember, we maintained weight throughout the study to try to tease out the differences that would be purely representative by macronutrient dietary composition as opposed to the confounding effect of weight loss, which may have negated some of these results.
1: How do you summarize your findings?
0: Well, I think the basic premise here is that if one goes on a diet and they're beyond the period of weight loss, so now they've uh, lost the weight and they are on a stabilizing or maintenance phase of a diet, the Atkins is probably not a good diet to go on. We would Recommend diets that are lower in the saturated fat, which appears to have a concerning effect on proathrothrombosis.
1: If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Susan Dolan, your host, and joining me is Dr. Michael Miller, the Director of Preventive Cardiology at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland, discussing his recent research on how the Atkins, South Beach, and Ornish diets affect cardiovascular health. Doctor, how do your findings compare to what the diets advertise in terms of health benefits?
0: Well, Susan, remember that the diets are really focused in on weight-losing effects. So, as you know, most of these diets have an induction phase to establish rapid weight loss. And so, I think their priority is really to identify weight loss, which diet is the most effective in weight loss, as well as uh, how many patients are able to stick to it for a period of time. Our study did not focus in at all on these variables. Rather, we were more interested to look at the effect of changing macronutrient composition and how lipids, the endothelium, and atherothrombotic biomarkers are affected.
1: Did the participants report how they felt on the different diets?
0: Yes. In some cases, it was hard because... We may try to maintain weight in some of the cases, such as in the uh, low-fat Ornish diet, they would have to consume uh, more calories from carbs to maintain weight. And being a low, very low-fat diet, it was a little bit more difficult. Similarly... It was a bit more difficult compared to uh, the South Beach. I would say the average fat composition before these participants participated in the study was more aligned with the South Beach or Mediterranean diet. So if they went to the one extreme where it was very low-fat, Ornish, or the other extreme, high-fat Atkins, some of them did complain of some you know, mild side effects. But by and large, our participants were able to uh, complete the study.
1: How did you determine that a four-week time frame was adequate?
0: Well, the four-week time frame has been looked at in a number of other studies to show clear effects on lipids and lipoproteins. There are less data in regard to the endothelium, but they do exist. So we believe that this was certainly a sufficient period of time. The atherothrombotic biomarkers have not been looked at to our knowledge, but we believe that we would expect to see something after a month where these other parameters were affected.
1: What feedback have you received about your research findings?
0: So far, it's been positive. At our meeting at the American Heart Association, the former president of the American Heart Association, Dr. Bob Beckel, basically said that the findings presented in our study extended results that had been noted from recent studies. Although, again, we used an isocaloric diet. so It was a little bit different, but all went together fairly well with the recommendation that a high-saturated protein diet is probably not the way to go.
1: Are you planning any follow-up studies?
0: Well, we're considering doing additional studies where we would look at a group of uh, less healthy individuals, those individuals perhaps that uh, have the metabolic syndrome, and then perhaps allowing them to lose weight and then seeing after a given period of weight loss, whether there are differences in some of these uh, parameters.
1: What research projects are you working
0: on now? Well, we're doing several. Our focus really is on understanding the relationship between the blood fats, triglycerides, and good cholesterol. We're also interested in getting a better handle as to the effects of emotions in heart disease. So we have some studies that are ongoing, all within the umbrella of cardiovascular prevention.
1: Summarize the study regarding emotions on cardiovascular health.
0: Right. Well, the study is basically one that we've been interested for several years, and it's an outtake of the knowledge that negative emotions often have a negative impact on the heart so that we know that mental stress, it's been very hard to quantify because stress is so objective and it's not really stress since we all deal with stress on a daily basis. I should say we all receive stress, but how we deal with it might be different between individuals. But our study here wants to look at positive emotions. And so our most recent study looked at differentiating between negative-induced and positive emotions on the endothelium. So we had volunteers, again, mostly medical personnel, who came in and watched a movie. They watched a movie on one day that was designed to stimulate, I suppose, feelings of anxiety and mental stress. And on another day, these were randomized, another movie was shown to stimulate positive emotions and designed for them to laugh. The movies that cause Laughter included something about Mary and Kingpin, whereas the movie designed to induce mental anguish was the opening segment of Saving Private Ryan. So again, in this study, the same individuals watched both movies on different days, and they watched about 15 to 20 minutes worth. After this period of time, we measured the endothelial response. Watching the movie to cause mental anguish or mental stress, there was reduction in flow-mediated dilation, so there was basically a blunting of the normal response, whereas during the time they watched movies to induce laughter, there was an increase in flow-mediated dilation. The mental stress portion has previously been shown to affect negatively endothelial function. This was uh, the first study to show that positive emotions can have a good impact on uh, the endothelium.
1: How does your research translate to your practice?
0: When we looked at the impact on the endothelium, it turns out that similar results are seen when one administers medication such as statins or does aerobic activity. Different mechanisms of action believed to be operative here. So we believe that it's a useful prescription for our patients to set aside a period of time during the day, whether it's as little as 10 to 15 minutes, to try and to find something amusing that they can laugh at.
1: What led to your interest in cardiovascular health?
0: Well, the interest is long stem based in large part of very strong family history. So, that my father, many of the members on my father's side of the family, had a heart attack or died from heart disease well below the age of 50. So, it stimulated an interest to try to hone in on cardiovascular prevention and ways to optimize that.
1: Dr. Miller, thank you so much for joining us to discuss your research on how the Atkins, South Beach, and Ornish diets affect cardiovascular health.
0: It's been my pleasure, Susan. Thank you.
1: I'm Susan Dolan. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions at ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of the ReachMD library. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health, on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.